I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg here as always, and I'm so excited to have you back here with me for another episode this week. And this week's episode is honestly so good. (laughs) I loved sitting down with Tara and talking about periods and cycles and cycle syncing. And we even went on a little bit of a rant in regards to like the quote unquote cycle syncing that you may have heard about on Instagram or in other podcasts, that sort of thing. It was so nice to have Tara be on the show with me and have her be on completely the same page as me when it comes to cycle syncing stuff. So we went on a little bit of a rant and I think you're going to really like it. (laughs) I think you're going to like this entire episode with Tara. So I have all of her links up for you in the show notes so you can scroll down into the show notes whatever app you're listening to this on and make sure you go give her a follow on Instagram as she shared at the end of this episode she offers tons of really informative workshops so I highly recommend going to check those out and this conversation actually inspired me to create a little bit of a pdf period tracker for you all if you want to get into tracking your cycle so make sure you're on my mailing list because i will be sending that out within the next week to everyone on my list. So make sure you're on there so you get my brand new period tracking PDF for you to use. And I hope you really like it. Period tracking is such a big thing for me. I seriously log all of my symptoms every day. I make like a little journal entry. It takes me no time at all, maybe a minute to log all of this stuff, but it's super helpful because if one day throughout my cycle, I'm feeling a little blah or maybe really tired, or maybe I have some extra acne popping up. It's really fun to go back to like past cycles and see if there's a trend, like if this same stuff happens at the same point in my cycle. It's just really interesting stuff. So if you're not tracking your cycles yet, this is going to be awesome. And just make sure you're on my mailing list. And you can do that by clicking the link in the show notes as well. I have it linked up for you there. And just one last thing before we jump into this episode with Tara. I don't think I have shared this 
formally on the podcast yet. I've shared it on Instagram. I've shared it in my newsletter before. P.S. That's like the benefit of being on my newsletter. I often share things that I don't share anywhere else in my newsletter, but that's just like an aside. But anyways, I truly do not believe I have formally shared with you all that I started a brand new podcast. I really don't think I shared that here. So it is called Friends We Meet Reading. If you love podcasts and you like hanging out with me every week and maybe Wednesdays just aren't enough time together for you. You can join me every Monday now for a book club podcast. So I started this book club podcast because I love reading. I read basically at least one book every single week. And usually I have friends who are reading the same books as me and I always want to hop on a call with them to just chat about books but we never do. So I created a podcast so I could schedule them in my calendar so I can actually hop on these calls with my friends. We can jam out and talk all about the books that we just read. And then I just am sharing the conversations with you. It's really fun. And if you go follow me on friends, we meet reading pod over on Instagram, which I'll also have linked up for you in the show notes, you can follow me there. And at the beginning or the very, very end of each month, I'm going to give you like a heads up as to which books we'll be talking about throughout the coming month or throughout like that month. So for an example, at the beginning of November, I shared just like a glimpse or a schedule, I guess is a better word. So I shared the schedule for November. So you can read along, like you know which books we're going to be covering in November. And if you are also like a one book a week reader like I am, you can be reading the books and then tuning into the podcast episodes as we release them throughout November. It's super fun and there's spoilers everywhere in these episodes. So you're definitely going to want to read the books before you listen to the episodes. But anyways, we're having so much fun with this podcast and also the new Instagram is just super fun. So if you're looking for book recommendations or you just want to see something else on Instagram, you know, I think your feed can get filled with all of the same stuff. And if you want to start filling your feed with like bookstagram stuff, then you can definitely come join us over at friends. We meet reading pod over on Instagram. We'd love to have you there. And I think that's all from me. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. I love what you do and I love your podcast. So thank you for having me. Oh, girl. Well, I am so grateful that we connected this year, I think, right? So we've had a couple chats already, just one where we 
hung out on Zoom and just got to know each other. And then you actually had me on for an Instagram live. So that's all happened within the last couple of months. So I'm just really grateful for the connection we've made and the friendship and stuff. And now you come in on my podcast. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So excited for our chat today. Of course. And we are talking about, well, your favorite topic, one of my favorite topics, periods and cycles and just embracing this part of who we are. So before we dive into all of that, though, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone just in case they're meeting you for the first time today? Oh, I'd love to, Meg. So my name is Tara and I'm based here in London and I call myself a period educator and I'm also an abdominal therapist. And to give you a background, I'd always had an interest in wellness, but I never thought that periods would be my topic of choice. Um, I was a lawyer and I actually wanted to train to be an osteopath. I really wanted to move into that part because osteopathy had been such a helpful part of my own health journey. Um, And but actually, I we moved to Asia, so I kind of parked my ambitions um, to study osteopathy at uni here in London. And after I had my second baby, my period didn't come back for a long time. And I knew at the time why it hadn't come back. Um, I was quite unhappy. I was really worn out from having two small kids. Uh, we'd moved to a new country. I didn't have many friends. I didn't have a very good support network. Um, so I already knew an inkling in my kind of gut. That's why my period hadn't come back. Um, but I was told to explore a type of abdominal therapy called Arvigo therapy. Um, and I went and had a fabulous um, treatment with my friend and colleague now at Lisa Levine um, when I was based in Singapore. And what I love about uh, Arvigo therapy and abdominal therapy is you go and see a practitioner, you get a glorious, you know, body treatment, which I'm a real sucker for. But then they teach you a self-care massage that you can do at home. And then I was doing that self-care massage on my tummy, on my abdomen every day. And within a couple of weeks of that appointment with Lisa, my period came back and I was like, wow, how did that happen? And my own story and theory with that is that my body felt safe. My body felt nurtured. I was giving myself five minutes of peace and calm and connection. And then from that, uh, Megan, that experience of mine, it kind of really was like, wow, I didn't know about this. You know, I was very lucky growing up. I didn't have any period problems, neither did my sister or my mom. But, you know, when I started talking to girlfriends, I realized, wow, just a complete Pandora's box. Most people, either them or one person removed, had heavy or painful periods, missing periods, fibroids. They had to have a hysterectomy, bad PMS. There was just like this massive thing going on that I hadn't hadn't touched me really. And at that point also, this is my late 30s, I understood that we are cyclical, that we are supposed to be, you know, a different person each week, frankly, you know, different moods, different energy, different needs, different hunger, depending where we're in our menstrual cycle. And when I learned that, it was like a light bulb moment, Meg. I was like, holy, what? No one told me this. How could I be in my late 30s and only learning about this? And again, when I told friends, they were like, well, I didn't know that either. And it just seemed like this hidden knowledge, this wisdom that wasn't getting passed on. Um, so I trained to be um, uh, an Arvigo therapist, an abdominal therapist. So this massage is so fantastic for period problems, for, um, for digestive issues, and just to reconnect your body. Um, and I've trained with lots of different women's health coaches to learn all about the great things we can do to help our health. 
And although I do help women in their mid thirties to mid forties and understand their bodies, um, and I run courses and I work with women one-to-one, my big passion is supporting the next generation for them to understand these things, for them not have to wait till the late thirties or when they have a problem with their period that they go on a bit of a journey and learn all these things that we know this stuff right from the get-go, that we are cyclical, the small, simple things we can do to have healthy periods this is really our right. We need to know this. We need to pass this on to the next next people coming along. Absolutely. So a lot there that I want to dive into. I'm curious right off the hop, you mentioned that you didn't have your period for a long time. And I'm just curious what that time frame was, because I feel like people listening that maybe, you know, caught their attention as well. And they were wondering what that time frame was like where you had your babies and your period wasn't coming back. So how long yeah. was that? That is such a great question. So for me, um, my baby was almost two years old. Now I would say that that is still the range of normal, to be honest, if I was still breastfeeding. So, you know, your period can come back if you're still breastfeeding anywhere from frankly, six weeks postpartum to, you know, two years, that's still a range of normal, but something was telling me that there was, it was more, you know, being at the end, nearly, she was almost two. That's the end range, I'd say. So if someone is two years postpartum, still haven't got their period back, it's kind of like, okay, let's look at what else is going on in your life. How is your nutrition? How is your sleep? You know, how happy are you? All of those factors I'd be looking at, but I'd say it was still within the range of normal, but for me, something was calling me. Something was saying, you need to look into this a little bit more, Tara. Mm-hmm. I totally feel you on that. And I'm glad you, you know, spoke to that part or that aspect. Like we, and I know so many women listening to this right now have that little inner voice speaking to them and letting them know, like, Hey, this is why, right? I remember when I didn't have my period. This was back in like 2018, 2017, around there. And all of my friends around me were having babies or getting pregnant. And I was, I I remember exactly where I was when this happened. But, you know, I had this thought to myself. I was like, well, I wonder why like that couldn't be me, right? Like why I'm not getting my period. And I had these like little inner whispers. And in that moment, I knew like there was more inner healing for me to do and more things for me to like let go of um, from a past eating disorder. So yeah, I'm glad that you spoke about that. And yeah, you know, you can look at your nutrition and for so many women, that is what the issue is, or, you know, that area that we really do need to tend to. But for you, you said, had said that, you know, you're feeling really burnt out and that's a huge aspect of it too, right? Like we do, I think like it all comes down to creating, like our bodies to be the safe place and in whatever way they're not feeling safe like that's what we need to tend to so for you it really sounds like this abdominal massage and taking that time to care for yourself in ways that you weren't as a new mom you know that really was what you needed to do for sure 
Totally. And it's mind blowing because, you know, I have to say, you know, UK advertising standards, like I'm not guaranteeing that a massage is going to bring back your period or any of those different things. But for me, I really, it, I found it just such a, a life pivotal moment to be like, wow, I knew I was burnt out. I knew I was pretty unhappy. I knew I was kind of at the end of my tether with just two small kids and all the things I described, but I didn't realize that that small, small, you know, thing I could do for myself could make such a big difference and I also really didn't know at that stage that not having my period was such a bad thing that like how sorry not that it was such a bad thing but how important it is for us to have a period if we can and that our body every month is basically scanning our body saying is she safe is she safe enough to have a baby which is bonkers I especially I teach this um at the workshops I do for the young girls like it is a bonkers thing that your body's doing that from the age of 12 <laughs> to the age of 50 you know that the body is doing that every single month doing a little check-in but that's what it's doing it's checking is this body strong and healthy can it have a period can it make a baby basically and at that point my body was like nah she needs to hold off that she's got enough on her plate giving myself some love in that small way really just changed everything yeah I love that and I think it is important for me to ask this because I work with so many women who don't have their periods and Mm -hmm. it's really common for people with hypothalamic amenorrhea to kind of look at all of these other things that could potentially bring their period back instead of the things that they actually need to do right so for so many women like they do need to eat more they do need to dial back the exercise but if you and I are sitting here talking about like this abdominal massage (laughs) that was so helpful for you you know it's it's really easy for people to not look at the hard stuff and just be like oh I'm gonna take this supplement or oh I'm just gonna go give my abdomen like this massage because it worked for Tara right and so I'm curious like did you have to also look at the food piece for you like did you make any changes there or I'm just kind of curious like was it just that one thing for you that you touched on sure it it was for me but Meg I think that's really unique like that was I think it actually comes down to that I stopped and I and I, it was more a case of feeling safe and feeling nourished and almost dealing with kind of um, that PTSD <laughs> that most like that no one talks about women having postpartum, just that whole like massive shock to your system of having to look after little people and being all that involves and moving countries and everything that involves that. So for me, you know, and I'm, I would consider myself like a type A personality in recovery in the sense that I would find it very easy to be like, okay, this is eat this food and do this and take this supplement and then do this type of exercise. That's quite easy for me. For me, what I find hard is quietening my inner voice. I find it hard to lie down and read a book. You know, those things are actually hard. So I think sometimes, and I see that in the clients I support, the things that are the hardest for them are actually the things they probably need to do. Yes. <laughs> And I say that for myself, like I'm such an imperfect health practitioner or period educator. Like I I do all the wrong things and I get in bad habits and, you know, I like to think I'm very relatable like that. But I think the, the things that are the hardest are sometimes the things that we need to do. And for me, that's to slow down and to look after my nervous system is like 
the more, most important thing and it's the hardest thing I find. <laughs> no, I'm so happy I asked that and I love your answer so much and I'm so happy you're saying this because it kind of goes back to exactly what I was saying, right? Like people can be listening to this and for them, the like sitting there and giving themselves this abdominal massage might sound like the easiest thing and looking at like the food piece and the exercise piece might be like the hardest and most uncomfortable thing for them to look at right so yeah like for you though it actually was the hardest piece and you probably had like your nutrition and your movement all dialed in and it was all like you know it wasn't that place where you actually felt uncomfortable to look at right so yeah yes so interesting and I love hearing that um and just a really good reminder to people how important it is to slow down and you know really tend to yourself in that way as well like it it's there's just so many pieces to the puzzle when it comes to working towards getting your period back but I love totally, what you yeah. said. Like it is like that hard stuff. It's like the stuff you don't want to look at. Right. I recently had a client, actually, this is a really cool story. Her and I had a session like on one week and her period wasn't coming back, wasn't coming back. And we had been working together for a period of time. And then she finally brought up in one of our sessions that Hey Meg, like maybe my exercise is like a little bit more intense than I had kind of like expressed before, right? So we talked about that and I was like, okay, let's, you know, we we made a game plan for the following week. Like, okay. Like this is new information to me as your <laughs> coach, right? And so we're going to try this new thing. We're going to dial back this intensity in a way that felt tolerable for her and within that week, she got her period back within the week. And, you know, it, it took until that point of her being okay to look at that part that was like the most uncomfortable for her to look at, you know, in a dress. And so I just think that's so cool how it really does come down to, yeah, like those most difficult parts to look at. Totally. And that's the thing that I teach in my workshops, either for the preteens or for teenagers, you know, um, you know, all of us, you know, even as adults, when we go to workshops, you know, when you're there, you're absorbing it and thinking, yeah, I love it. I love all the information. You feel like I'm going to remember everything. But actually, when you go away and kind of the week, days and weeks and months pass, there's only a few highlighted bits that you really remember. So what I really try and reinforce in the workshops I do for young people is that keep looking in. Like we have such a culture of looking out for solutions, you know, thinking, you know, like what is, you know, and I, obviously you should involve a practitioner or a doctor or your parents as well. But, you know, we often look out for solutions, whereas when we start looking inwards and start listening in, like what actually do I need? What does my instinct? And that's something that's so important. And I get asked so often, you know, like what type of food should I eat on a main period or what kind of movement should I do? And my advice for the, again, for the preteens and teenagers is just keep listening in. Like some people, they might like to do a run on their period. Not me, frankly, but some people <laughs> Not like to either, do to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to like poo-poo that, especially for young people. I want them to know that they can do whatever they want. But actually, if we look inwards, you might 
probably not want to do that. So we just keep on looking inwards and listen to that instinct that we have. We have a lot more solutions to our problems than we realize, but we are just, we have such, so much external noise. And if we can try and bring ourselves back inwards and listen inwards to our intuition, to what feels good. And that's why I love sharing about six for living to younger people so that they can understand, okay, it's normal for me to feel different. I'll have a different noisy inner critic at different phases or I have more energy and motivation in other stages and we keep on looking inwards we will have the solutions I love that so much and you mentioned like the external noise kind of clouding up or making it hard for us to turn inwards and listen to ourselves and honestly this is a topic and conversation that comes up with my clients and I so often so I'm curious you know, what are some of your favorite ways or some favorite like techniques or whatever to support these individuals in like kind of shutting out that external noise that makes it really hard for us to turn inward because there's, there is so much outward information coming at us and when we're constantly being fed like other people's opinions and suggestions and all that stuff, like it makes it really hard to turn inward. So I'm curious, like what are some of your favorite ways to support that in actually happening, turning out the noise and tuning inward? Mm, Oh, I love that. That's such a great question. I think like the first and like the biggest thing that I'd be suggesting again to the young people I work with is to track your cycle in whatever way feels good so that you have like a record and understanding of how you are a different person every week. Um, And it can be, I sometimes find again, like we don't need another thing to be on our to-do list. So if it feels like you don't have time to journal, you don't have time, you can literally be doing that in your head, be like, okay, where, where am I at in my cycle? Am I, yeah, I think I think I'm about a week before my period. Okay, that's how I am feeling like this. You know, ideally, I the preference I always suggest, um, which is not the way that most people do it, but is to write down in a diary. In fact, I use a really boring A4 lined pad with gossip um, because I do that so that I write like number one and then the date on the left-hand column so I can have one sentence per day because then I can look at the data. I can get my little... A4 pads beside each other um, sheets sorry and then compare each day per cycle to be like oh yeah that's quite normal day six or seven I'm really anxious for me personally as estrogen is rising that's my real anxiety time real challenging time for my cycle um, but the most and I feel that writing is really revelatory like we can loads more things come out with our thoughts and our emotions um, but obviously apps are way are like where the majority of people track their cycles. But I also, like I mentioned at the start, I think just the third way was just keep it in your head, being like, where am I at? So I think tracking your cycle can help quieten that outside noise. I also think having um, just silent time, you know, we are so used to consuming um just constantly. So like when we are on our lunch break or when we are waiting for the bus we will be getting our phone out, right? Just to kind of entertain us. We'll, and I love listening to podcasts when I go for a walk as well, or when I'm on the bus, or you know, when I'm um, scrolling, when you're on eating food at lunchtime. When we create a bit of space and a bit of boredom, frankly, um, the other side of boredom is ideas. 
is solutions, is creativity. And it helps us reduce that noise. So even if it's just for the first five minutes of that bus journey, car journey, <laughs> um, for that lunch, that we can just quieten all outside sources. We don't have the radio on. We don't have that podcast on. We're not scrolling. That we can just let our mind wander. I think that's such a wonderful way. We don't allow enough mind wandering time. Um, and we need some of that. We don't need to constantly be consuming. They're the kind of two things that I suggest. No, and I think those are two very important things. And I love the way that you track your cycle. I love that so much. I have like a Garmin watch and it comes with like a really nice like period tracking app. So that's what I've been using but I really like like I'm getting this visual in my mind of actually setting the papers beside each other and like to me it's kind of like a spreadsheet and now I'm like ooh, I could create a spreadsheet so I can better see you know it's just easy I like being able to kind of see like oh yes on day six or seven like you said like this is typically the trend for how I'm feeling so something that I really want to talk about because again this is just I feel like this is a theme that is coming up so often with my clients and I right now is like me helping them normalize the fact that we are not supposed to feel the exact same way every single week. And it's really funny that you actually brought that up. I I doubt that you saw this on my Instagram stories because I literally just posted this, but I was scrolling through your Instagram like feed, like your account, because I wanted to share one of your posts to my stories to let everyone know you were coming on the podcast. And I actually chose the reel that you created about how you're not supposed to feel the same way every week. And then you brought that up today. I was like, I feel like we're just meant to talk about that today. Like I said, I've been having this conversation over and over and over again. And then you bring it up and I'm like, wait a sec, I just shared this to my stories. So I think that's really important for us to talk about today and normalize. So why don't you and I just like share with everyone right now where we're at in our cycles and how we're feeling today, just to kind of normalize the fact that like, hey, no, you are not supposed to feel like a hundred percent every single day or like exactly the same every single day like that's just that's not normal and it's not even realistic to even think that you know totally and I did I thought for so long you know um that I was supposed to be the same person you posted the same energy and perform the same amount and it's so great it's so funny that you shared that on your insta and today um which I'm going to describe now I was so in my zone for my cycle. I have specifically set a ta- set aside today for a task because it's day 19 on my cycle. So this is so funny. We're having this conversation and I was going to do something on my story, but I was just so in the zone with it. But I didn't have time today. So this is like serendipity, man. This is all coming together. So I am, as I said, on day 19. So I am now 44. And um, when I look back, so as I said, I've only known about cycle awareness since my late thirties. So um, when I look back, to like my 20s and my 30s um 
I think my favorite time would have been my summer. So around about ovulation, because I'm really chatty. I love being social and all those things that come with around about when you ovulate of confidence and, you know, all of those things. And what I'm actually loving now, and it's interesting that I'm coming to kind of what they call your autumn of your life anyway, coming to this perimenopause phase is I'm loving my autumn so much that the kind of, I love the high, the energy that I would have. And especially at this point in my, um, or like cycle is I still have that high from estrogen. So I still have that energy, but I feel like this kind of this, um, I don't know that the blinkers are coming on. Like I'm getting really focused. It's suddenly gone from like surround sound to like really narrowed. And I'm like, right, I'm going to get this shit done. Like I'm going to use all the energy from estrogen, but that focus from progesterone. So today I was preparing for my tax return. Oh, (laughs) that is (laughs) a a really good task for you to do when you have that like kind of laser focus energy. 100%. I had no problem going here and there and finding numbers and double checking and being like, I am going to get the spreadsheet looking so gorgeous. I was so in the focus of it today. I'm really impressed with you. Because often I would find if I try to do that in my summer or spring, I would be like little puppy brain being like, oh, let's do this. Oh, no, let's go over and do this. Oh, let's, I'd have too much energy or be too social or all those things and be easily distracted. Whereas I find in this phase personally is a real good, let's get it done. Let's focus. I've only got a small amount of time. Just get it done. Let's get the job done. So I'd love to hear where you're at, Meg, and how today fits with that. I love that so much. And I also just need to make a point because I will share where I am. But I love what you said. Like, this is specifically how it is for you when you're in your autumn. Like, it's not the way that it needs to be for everyone, right? And I think that's the thing about social media. Like, you know, a lot of period coaches or practitioners that talk a lot about like cycle syncing or just like kind of living in sync with your cycle, which is the exact same thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like there's just a lot of kind of information being put out there that when you're ovulating, like this is how you should be feeling. Right. And like, that's again, like it's not the case for everyone. Right. And just another kind of like shout out to the fact that we do need to kind of push away this noise and do our best Mm -hmm. at not be consuming all the time and really tuning inward to how we're feeling. So I'm actually not that far behind you. I am day 16 of my cycle and I am definitely feeling like more social. I feel like you can tell on social media when I am in a more, like you can tell when I'm on my period. That is for sure. Like I'm not posting to my stories. I'm like hardly showing up at all. You know, I'm like very much hibernation mode you like I'm hardly making a peep and then like today I was just like posting 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 I'm like oh wow interesting apparently I feel pretty chatty today and that's like I can tell um so that's kind of how I'm feeling like energetic like social wise 
Um, but yeah, I so I'm day 16 and feeling pretty good today. Honestly, like I I was really excited to sit down and chat with you today. And there's definitely some weeks where, you know, I have podcasts scheduled and I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like talking to anyone today. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, totally. And that's the thing. So, you know, there's going to be some days where you have to do your tax return when you're not up for it. And there's going to be some days you have to do a podcast when you're just not up for it. So I like, I love what you said there, Meg, that there is so much we can see that there is, you know, I'm delighted that cycle awareness is, you know, becoming more and more common and more and more mainstream. But then it doesn't have to be bloody prescriptive. It's like, it's all about like, listen in people, see what feels good for you. Know that you're going to feel different during your cycle, but what is good and what works for you will be very different to what works for someone else. Um, and that can be like, I find it really irritating when it's like, oh, you're in this part of your cycle. You need to do this type of exercise or you need to eat this type of food. Like people, can we not do that? Like it's just about listening. It might be, that you might you have more energy you may have more energy around the space so you can use it and you may want to dial it back before your period that's the kind of I'm so general I'm like the I'm the umbrella Thank lady you. I'm so general and it's not like you have to eat I won't even say that I don't even want to place all those different people say this type of food and this type of cycle I think that utter like nonsense. we don't need to be so rigid with all this stuff Ooh. right like for an oh. example I like I really like what you said before like if you genuinely feel like you want to go for a run on your period by all means go do that you know and like for me I like the only type of exercise like intentional exercise I actually thoroughly enjoy doing is lifting weights right so I'm not going to be like lifting weights for one week on my cycle and then you know doing yoga one week and then hit the other week and then just walking one week like first of all like I'm never going to do that because I don't enjoy that. But if you ever want to make like progress in your training and stuff like that, how how is that going to be possible if you're only just lifting weights one week out of every month kind of thing, you know? Totally. And that's the thing. Like if HIT is your thing, if yoga is your thing, whatever, lifting weights, it's just know that it might be that you'll want to lift a little bit less around your period. Maybe you won't, but maybe you will. And then you might feel a bit stronger at other bits. And also let's come down to it. There's just not enough research on women's health, let alone women's health, menstrual cycle plus training. You know, I follow all the best uh, people on those topics and they even say there's like one studies come out, like there's just not enough. So we just need to keep listening inwards and being like, I totally agree. I find that again, irritating. Do yoga on this and do this. And then it's time to do hit. Then you can lift weights. Like, nah, you like lifting weights, lift weights every week of the month, girl, and just tailor it to how, how you feel that day. And I, I think cycle awareness is about breaking free of that expectation of being the same person every day, but it doesn't mean we have to suddenly change our life into this other weird conformity. Like very rigid, like weak, you know, menstruation I do this and eat this and then follicular I do this and eat this right like that's I love your approach to this it's very intuitive but like we're bringing in that awareness of the fact that we change literally from day to day but it doesn't have to like be so rigid right like 
the way that this information is coming out, you know, when people are talking about cycle syncing, for an example, um, in regards to exercise, typically it's like, okay, do like while you're on your period would be, you know, like walking and yoga, like super, super gentle stuff. Right. But for me, it's like the, maybe three to four days before my period comes and then the first couple days of my period like that's my low time like that is where I'm not going to be lifting heavy but then come like day three four five of my period I'm feeling super strong and super energized and so you know if I was super rigid like I wouldn't be doing what I do right but since I'm giving myself that time to like tune in and be like, yo, what do I need today? You know, it's, it's me backing off before my period comes choosing super lightweights and then just like, you know, keep going according to what I need every day. So yeah, I really love your approach and I appreciate it so much. And I love that we're on the same page for this. It's so great. Brilliant. And in fact, it was just at the weekend, I'm running an online, excuse me, <clears throat> an online uh, period ready workshop for uh, the girls uh, from nine to 12 years of age on it. And again, the question is, can I do sports on my period? Um, and to be honest, like between you, um, you and me and uh, the people listening, like I basically don't want to piss off these girls. <laughs> I don't want to say you can't do X, you can't do this, your period is awful. Like I'm trying to big up having a period you know I'm realistic by the way during the workshop but I don't want to say oh you're not supposed to exercise I think and I just say and I say the truth and it's what I say to my clients who are in their 30s and 40s you know ideally you may feel like you have less energy but come on like when the day your sport is on at school or you have a match or you have to do something you know you're just gonna have to do it but maybe you want to do a little bit less intensity and just keep listening to your body we can't change we can't stop life but we can at least be kind to ourselves in the process. You know, maybe we won't be able to do our fastest um, sprint time on that day of our period, but at least we can talk about that in our heads. We can talk nicely to ourselves. So it's so important to say you can do sports. You might want to take it a bit easier, but life might be that you're playing a match that day for young girls at school. So just know that that's what's going to happen. And, you know, women are amazing. We can do anything. It's just... Let's be kind to ourselves in the process. I love it so much. Like there's, to me, what's coming up is a lot of like compassion versus, you know, placing this, having a period on us as some sort of like awful thing, right? Like it's such a mindset thing. So let's say a younger girl in her teens who's on like the track team or cross country, right? If maybe she's like the few days leading up to her period and she's feeling super low energy like I do in those couple days leading up to my period, right? Instead of being like, oh man, you know, like now I can't run or, you know, thinking, seeing it as such like a awful thing, turning that into like a compassionate way of seeing ourselves and being like oh hey I feel quite tired today and that makes sense because I'm a couple days away from my period so I can still run but I don't need to like set a PR or you know hit my best time like that's fine you know it makes such a big difference yeah it's so important compassion I love that that's exactly right that's what 
I want from everyone to learn about their cycle. Um, by learning that we are supposed to be different people each week of our cycle, we can be kinder to ourselves. And that's what we all need. Yeah. So you also mentioned how our hunger changes throughout the cycle. And I love this topic so much. And I don't think I've ever had anyone to just like sit on the podcast with me and jam out on this topic either. So I'm curious when you and I were talking about where we're at in our cycle, we kind of more so talked about, you know, energy wise and noticing how we are like feeling socially, whether we're not or we are that sort of thing. But being in day 19 of your cycle right now, what are you noticing about your hunger? Oh my God, I could talk about this. I just find it so fascinating about how our hunger changes. I just think it's so important for us to know. And, you know, you know, we would have all known, and obviously I'm, 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 aware that many people who follow you Meg um, are in a recovery journey as well with their relationship with food but I think we can all understand that there's some days of the month that we are more hungry than others um, but again because we are programmed to think we are supposed to be the same person each day of the month we think we are um, greedy we think we are without willpower we think all of these things or this judgment on our hunger changing um, and that is so cruel because actually there's such a important like chemical thing that's happened in our body, which is going to influence our hunger. Um, like uh, I know the, um, at the basically around about from the end of your period up to ovulation, our estrogen levels um, help us regulate our blood sugar. And so we often feel full more easily, but in that lead up to our period, our body is rapidly growing a whole new organ. Now, when someone described it to me like that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes it sound so much more important than like, I don't know, it sounds more important, growing a whole new organ, your lining of your womb, that endometrial lining. So we naturally need more fuel. Now, if we ignore our hunger during that time, in that week before our period, where we're like, oh my God, I could eat, you know, like the twice as often. <laughs> and some right uh because we're trying to lose weight you might actually notice that people hold on to or put on weight at that time because basically when we ignore our body's like primal instinct that we need to eat more our body feels scared and it thinks there might be a famine <laughs> and it holds on to its fat stores and so i just think that is like wow we need to know that and also on that blood sugar regulation you know, it's easier for us to regulate our blood sugar in that week, you know, between our period, end of our period and when we ovulate. But that week before, we don't have the estrogen. So we often go on those blood sugar roller coasters, which are never, frankly, satisfied. Um, and so it's really important to be eating much more protein and healthy fats during that time. And I always find the thing healthy fats a bit confusing. So I always like to share that that's seeds and nuts, olive oil, avocado and oily fish, if people are looking for examples. Um, and kind of, if you don't mind me talking a little bit more on that topic, I find that the, the intermittent fasting or the, um, what's the other word for intermittent fasting? Restricted eating windows. I find this so annoying that basically, um, and again, I'm sure you know this, uh, Meg, that most studies have been done on men, <laughs> mice, and postmenopausal women. 
they have not been done on people with periods right Um, so not great to look at ladies you (laughs) know for all of you who are menstruating or trying to get to that place like this is not good information no, totally, totally. And there are so, and in fact, if people go on my Instagram, I do, I've mentioned it at some point, I'm aware on a reel. And look, our hormones play a big part in how we can navigate intermittent fasting. So, um, and it's everyone's individual. So like, if you are fasting like 18 hours, 20 hours, and that is working for you, and like your, your sleep and your mood and libido and everything is like tip top, then that's okay. Rock on girl. Like your you temperatures, your pulses, your digestion, all that stuff though. Like if all, that all of that stuff is good, is checked and you're off. a regular period and you're really happy and all's good, then okay, fine. But I don't see that much. In my I've clinic. never seen it. <laughs> Let's so, just put it that way. Yeah. So the 18 hour fasting is not fast basically. So I think a window between 12 and 16 hours is best maximum of 16 hours around about when you ovulate so when your estrogen is the highest so that week after your period up to ovulation but more like 12 to 14 hours before your period because we just can't do any more and you can but like you'll end up and so people are like oh it's fine you know I you know like um I drop the kids to school then I come home and work a bit and then like I eat about 10 11 I feel much better doing it that way and I'm like okay so you feel okay then how do you feel at like three, four, five o'clock when you just picked up the kids? Oh yeah, I'm usually in a really bad mood by then. I'm like, yeah, okay. And that's the problem with blood sugar regulation. We often don't see the see the results straight away. It's actually often six hours later or the next day how our mood is. So again, if people are feeling great, they're sleeping well, their period's great, everything's good and they are fasting always 18 hours, then that's fine. But I think we just need to understand and be, again, flexible and say, oh, OK, I am more hungry next to my that week before my period. It's harder for me to fast longer times. How about we mix it up a bit? How about we experiment? Just make it an hour shorter. See if you feel better. Like I don't again, sometimes when you hear advice, you're like, OK, I have to do it now. What Tara says, no, no, no. Do what you're doing, but maybe bring half an hour, maybe bring an hour different and see how that feels to you. Yeah, I am in the camp of... When we sleep, we are entering a natural fast (laughs) and there is no reason why we should extend that natural fast, right? Especially like in order to have happy, healthy, thriving hormones, your body needs to feel safe. And the longer we push that fast, the less your body is going to feel safe. And so there's just no point. You know, so for me, what that looks like, I'm not sure if like it looks the same for you or what it looks like for you, but I have a snack before bed. My body enters this long fast and I sleep all throughout the night and I wake up in the morning and I go to the washroom, I go downstairs, I make my breakfast and I eat, right? And like, there's no need to push that fast any longer. So, and for especially for perimenopausal women, I find who are waking in that horrible window of like two to four a.m. and can't get back to sleep again, that is a sign that there's a blood sugar regulation issue. And I would do exactly what you suggested there, Meg, or not suggested, but what works for you, Meg, which is having a snack before bed. And I'd be saying make that a protein, proteiny type snack. So like, and I don't know what you have and you enjoy what you have, but I would say like a boiled egg, I'd say like nut butter on a oat cake or nut butter on a date, that sort of protein um, 
snack before bed can really help you sleep deeply and make sure that you don't wake up with those blood sugar regulation issues. Yeah, Especially- absolutely. I mean, when it comes to blood sugar, you know, it's it's all about pairing protein with carb like that's what it's about right because I think for so many years I like we hear so much about protein when it comes to blood sugar regulation and that was like it is important but if we're just eating protein all by itself like protein lowers blood sugar where carbs bring blood sugar up right so it's all about pairing it so for me if anyone wants like some bedtime snack inspo I always have like a bowl of thawed frozen cherries and a chunk of cheese like a big old chunk of cheese and that is my favorite cherries have natural melatonin in them and it's a really good source of carbs and they just it's a nice like sweet way to end the day and then also a chunk of cheese protein healthy fats and then dairy before bed has also been shown to be really helpful for sleep so I like pairing those things together personally god that is sounds delicious it's so good I love like I've always been a fan of like the sweet savory combo you know like fruit and cheese jam and cheese like that sort of thing <laughs> I love it I used to have a jam and cheese sandwich when I was younger that was super my and everyone was like freaking out because they're like what are you doing with jam and cheese but I I'm with that it's I the like best that. like yeah. a sharp cheddar like or a really like old cheddar you know with raspberry jam or strawberry jam so good um so yeah if anyone needed some bedtime snack inspo I I'm a creature of habit to be completely honest and that's what that's what I eat every night before bed and it works amazing like last night I went to bed at 10 and I rolled over this morning and it was 6 10 and I'm like oh I woke like I slept eight solid hours and that happens every night you know so that's like the best thing best thing awesome it is I love when that happens which is every day so (laughs) but I'm curious so we talked a lot about hunger and I love that you love this topic as well but what do you Mm. notice for yourself personally at like being day 19 of your cycle what are you noticing with your hunger right now Right now, my hunger is quite stable, but I would have said um, like a week ago, maybe as I was ramping up to ovulate, very hungry. Yeah, really hungry. So what we are on Tuesday, yes, I remember last Tuesday, I was just like, okay, okay, I know I had a protein breakfast, but like two hours later, I need something else. And it's, again, it's so interesting now being kinder to myself and being like, yeah, no problem, Tara, your body is getting ready to ovulate. So that's where my hunger peaks is on that ramp up to ovulation. And then that about five to seven days beforehand, I can feel my hunger before my period. I can feel my hunger going up right now. It's kind of I wouldn't say, you know, I have a big appetite all the time, um, but I'd say it's not it's it's like it's stable. It's right stable. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of just normal. You're noticing those normal yeah. fluctuations and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also really appreciated what you pointed out about, you know, why and like what really helped you understand so much better about why we do get hungrier, right? Like when our body's literally creating this 
organ, you know? And so that's really important. Um, like kind of a mindset thing for me, one of the mindset things that really helped me was seeing ovulation and our period as like energy demanding events, right? Like we need a certain amount of energy to actually carry out those events in our cycle. And so that's what really helped me. Like if I notice my hunger really spiking before ovulation or around ovulation, that sort of thing, I'm like, well, of course, right? Like my body's trying to do something and it's, it's costing a lot of energy to do that. And hunger is a way of like showing me that, Hey, I need more energy. And then same thing around my period, right? Like it is using energy to make that happen and hunger. We really just need to see hunger as that way of our body being like, Hey, we need more energy. That's it. There's nothing wrong with you. There's totally nothing wrong with you. Your body's just communicating. Um, and we just need to respond nicely. And I like the way you described there. It's, you know, I, I kind of, again, maybe before I knew all of this, I kind of understood the week before my period a little bit, but that ovulation hunger, I, I never, I was like annoyed at myself, <laughs> annoyed that that had happened. But when you think about if someone was training um, for the Olympics or if someone was pregnant or someone is breastfeeding, it is acceptable that they would need more fuel for those things because they're doing something. Well, that something is happening twice a month in your body, ovulation, and then that that whole organ being prepared so we need to adjust our expectations and and what we're eating I love that so much and I could just keep chatting with you gosh this hour flew by so I want to get into how you know you're helping women out there teens preteens you help such a variety of different women and you've mentioned workshops and stuff so I want to make sure we have some time so you can let everyone know about you know ways that you are working with women and supporting them in just better understanding their bodies and their cycle well thank you so much Meg um so as I mentioned at the moment, I'm running a workshop through November. Um, every Sunday there is a girl from, at the moment, just to show you how international is, we've got a girl from Ireland, uh, girls from India, girls from Singapore. So this, like, because it's online, which is the power of Zoom. Um, so I run them online and in person here in London. Um, and that is for uh, girls who are eight to 12. I've even had a seven-year-old come on that, um, a sibling of the nine-year-old girl. And, oh, it's just so amazing. Just, you know, during that session, we talk about like how a body has the period, like the anatomy. We call it a vulva. We like look at all the anatomy and understand what orbits do. Um, then we talk about all the different period products. We put a tampon in water, my friends, because we've all done that at some point. And we have a good giggle over that. And we look at all the different types of, you know, uh, washable pants and pads and cups and all of that. Then we talk about being cyclical and we do a really great craft. Um, and it's one I'd suggest if you had kids in the house as well, uh, which is, is just like um, 
a cardboard uh, circle and then we make four different seasons so you know spring being when we might want to plan and have more energy summer where we're really confident and full of energy and then autumn what that looks like and winter when we have our period and we put a little um a dial in it so that you can stick that on the fridge or on your bedroom door to show where you're at where your mood is at if you're feeling social or angry or you know leave me alone or let's go and do something together so we can communicate that and in fact from People who go on that course, many of the mums are going through perimenopause and then the daughters are going through puberty. So it's a lovely thing for both of them to help make those dials. And so they can both communicate and we can have that language. I also do workshops for teenagers called How Not to Hate Your Period and Actually Start to Love Your Cycle. So again, explain how your cycle works. I talk a lot about vulvas as well, because you may know that um, labiaplasticity, which is plastic surgery to change how your labia looks is really increasing with teens because of the prevalence of porn and um which is really sad so just to like normalize what the variety of vulvas are out there um and just really highlighting the kind of really simple things that can help with pms sore boobs headaches and painful periods the things that are very common and why they're common during the teenage years and on the other side, I support women, as I said, through their mid-30s to mid-40s. I run a six-week course live once a year called Embrace Your Cyclical Power. Um, and each week we kind of go through, you know, so we, the first week is like a an overall of like, this is what it is to be a female. <laughs> like, this is what happens every month. This is why it's normal. And then each the other uh, four weeks are winter about your period, about magnesium, about sleep. Um, then we talk about uh, your spring, we talk about your libido and uh, talk about contraceptive. Then um, the week we talk about summer, uh, we talk all about menopause, what happens there, um, and about estrogens as well. Um, and then autumn, we talk about PMS and PMDD and how things to support our moods. And then the last week is kind of a wrap up. Um, and what I say is that, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a very, I hope to be a very relatable health coach in that I don't do all the right things every day. And what I hope during that six week course is you get really easy, practically free stuff to do. You spend the money, come to meet me and do the course with me, but then you have like all these free tools to go away with because life is busy, Meg, and life is expensive. And we just need to be able to do these easy, easy things to help our body be healthy and healthy. I agree. Well, you're doing so many amazing things. And if anyone listening is interested in any one of your courses or workshops, we will have everything linked up for them in the show notes. I have one more question for you. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh, my goodness. To be unbreakable, I think is to feel I think being unbreakable is actually being your own best friend for me you know, and just quieting down that mad woman in the attic, that inner critic in your head, <laughs> like the Nagelsky sisters described it. And being unbreakable is just being your own best friend, because when you can do that, you can do anything. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Tara. I would love to have you back on the podcast someday. This has been so much fun. I have loved our conversation, Meg. Thank you so much for having me, honey.